I love the story that Beth told this morning. Some of you know that I really like the idea of having piles of stones to remember God's working in my life. Uh, in other places in the scripture, they're called Ebenezer's. And Ebenezer just means God has been with me so far. And so when you see the pile of stones, that's to remind you that God has been with you that far and will probably almost certainly be with you to go a little farther. Uh, those of you that know me that know in my office, I have a little pile of stones that I've collected from around the world. In my backyard, I have a pile of bigger stones. Those are my Ebenezer's just to remember that God has been with me so far. Our scripture this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapters 8, verses 11 through 15 and 17 through 18. Listen now that by faith we might hear God's word for us today. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your gold and your silver increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you visit one of the Holocaust museums, I visited three, you'll find in their literature and in the gift shops, small pins, bookmarks, artwork, with this word in Hebrew. The word is sakar, and it means to remember. Remembering is a weighty theme in the Holocaust museums. Their fear is that the danger and the destruction, the pain and the suffering, the results of intolerance and hatred may be forgotten in the mists of history, that lessons unlearned will be repeated. Remembering is a powerful and important theme in the history of Israel so much so that the verb is used almost 300 times in the Old Testament. The ancient Israelites learned painful lessons when they forgot the commandments of their God. You've no doubt noticed that our pastors love to explore the meaning of the ancient vocabulary in our scriptures, and today will be no different. Sakar means to remember, but not only in the sense of light recollection, but remembering fondly, with deep emotion, recalling profound truths. Sakar is the verb that might be used to describe recollecting a first love. It implies not only recalling, but being motivated to action by the recollection. So it's an action verb, perhaps like remembering a birthday or an anniversary. Similarly, the Hebrew word to forget is shakach. This word is also nuanced. In Hebrew, shakach is not nearly a, a slip of recall. For the ancient Jews, forgetting was a human failure, a dangerous blunder. It's the same verb used to describe how a mother might forget her child. And so when the ancient Jews were admonished not to forget, that was a serious warning, a reproach to avoid dangerous human missteps. My friends, it is the fall, a season when we time, uh, pause to think about the year ahead, new school semesters, perhaps travel, resetting of priorities, considering how to invest our time and our resources. This is a season when holidays, 
family events and other activities are approaching and we keep calendars so as not to forget what is important. And so as Christians, as members of the family of faith, what are we recalled to remember? What needs to be recalled fondly to inspire us to action? What elements of our lives might even be dangerous for us to forget, to avoid a a risky misstep? I would suggest to you this morning that there are three elements of our lives that require our attention for planning, spaces which require our consideration. The first space which we must remember, remember with fondness, remembering to spur us into action, is worship. Worship should come at the top of our list as it is the setting in which we hear God's word praised and prayed and preached. It's where we acquire our understanding of God by the influence and the direction of the Holy Spirit and transformed by the use of the spiritual disciplines. Worship is where we learn strategies that strengthen and broaden and enable our faith to come alive. Worship is also where we bring our doubts, our questions, our confusion. God is never offended by our doubts. Such doubts are not a evidence of a lack of faith. They're evidence of our desire to learn and to understand. In worship, we hear the story of God's grace and mercy, the sacrifice and love of Jesus Christ. We come from, become familiar and comfortable with the stories of Scripture. They become a part of our worldview. In worship, we come to understand humankind. We understand joy and celebration. We understand loss and suffering. We understand evil and war. We understand love and kindness. In worship, we develop a lens with which we can understand our surroundings, our family, our community, our world. When we forget worship, then we're forced to face all of these intrusions in our lives, the good and the bad, with no anchor, no definition, no understanding. We flail about, desperate to make sense of a world in chaos. But in worship, we discover how to speak truth to one another. We call it gospel fluency. Worship is where we remember God's power and provision and where we're called to action. The so what of Chad's sermons. God expects and plans for you to be in worship regularly wherever in the world you are. There's a danger in failing to worship. If you forget the importance, the value of worship, you run the risk of forgetting who you are, where you've come from, where you're going. You run the risk of believing that all you have is the result of your own strength, your own cleverness, your own wisdom. Failing to worship results in you forgetting your purpose in the world, that you are a disciple of Christ. You risk forgetting our shared goal, and that is to make disciples of those that God places in our paths. All human beings have faith. All human beings have a God-shaped hole in their hearts And they all fill that hole eventually with something. When they fail to fill it with worship, they install other gods, other idols, things that capture their attention and demand their loyalty. Things like hobbies and collections, even good things like travel and work and family. They replace God with shiny attractions, convincing themselves that they have no need of God, that these alluring trinkets will meet their need for significance. Of course, that all falls apart when serious questions arise, when life's catastrophes appear, as they always do. 
Worship will build a foundation on which life's calamities can be evaluated and understood with less fear and more confidence. Worship, remember, and don't forget. The second space that we need to remember, to remember with fondness, to remember as a call to action, is community. Community are those spaces that we share with others as we live our lives, where we learn about the nuts and bolts of life. Community are those places where we learn how to live with each other. Community is where we share meals, share laughter, share memories. Community is where we put grace and mercy into action, where we practice giving and receiving God's love. Human beings were never designed to be solitary creatures. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Christ told us that whenever two or more of us are gathered in his name, there he will be also. We must not forget to prioritize community because there is danger in isolation. When we are isolated, our horizons shrink. Our understanding of the world is less colorful. We lean too much on our own understanding and we forsake the beauty and value of friendship. In a family of faith, we're called to explore with friends and neighbors and fellow Christians this world together. In community like classes and women's circles, men's life, youth groups, we learn, we build a foundation of biblical literacy, hearing and understanding the stories of scripture and then translating them into life guidance for ourselves and for others. Community is an engine for change. It's where we grow and where we mature. You will notice that in our Presbyterian tradition, there's no such thing as solitary worship. All of our uh, events, all the big uh, traditions of our lives are shared in community. There's no such thing as private communion. There's no isolated baptism. There are no exclusive memorial services. All the important events of our church life happen together, open to everyone, Attendance and participation encouraged. I have some good news for you. In this place, there are a multitude of communities. Communities of learning and service and play. In our church, there are communities of toddlers and children and youth, young adults, family, seniors, retirees. In community, we eat, we learn, and we grow, and we share life. Have you remembered to include community in your planning this season? Changing maybe some of your priorities. Building your community. Remember and do not forget. There's a third space in our life that we must commit to, that we must remember. And that is mission. For a Christian, mission are events and opportunities that we serve one another. Jesus told his disciples, loving one another is the hallmark, the distinction that defines a Christian life. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We rely on Jesus' command that as he loved us, so we must love each other. And in the end, our worship, that grounds us in the truth, gives us direction. Our community gives us strength and confidence to face life together. And that all sets us up to serve, to serve one another and to serve those that God puts into our paths. You and I, if we're honest, we must confess that we have been gloriously blessed in this life. But we must remember that these blessings are not for us. They are meant to make us useful in God's hands. 
We must remember God's instructions to the ancient Israelites. You've been blessed so that you can be a blessing to others, to the whole world. What will your service look like? What will your mission be this fall? Will it be to help with the Sunday school, to prepare meals in the kitchen, to volunteer in the office, to go on a mission trip, to mentor a child, to collect for the food pantry, to pack seafarers boxes, help with the youth program? Which of your gifts are ready to be employed, to be the hands and feet and voice of Christ to the people in our church, in our community, in our world? Remember that when we activate ourselves in mission, that as we grow in our own discipleship, then we translate that power to others, walking beside them as they explore and develop their own discipleship. There is a danger in failing to commit ourselves to mission. The danger is that we might hold God's gifts too close, not employ them, and then they are lost and wasted. Do not forget that God expects you to use the gifts he has given you. Remember and do not forget. So what, Chad might ask, so this. We've all been given the tools with which to build our lives, to build our faith, to strengthen our hearts, to broaden our minds. Remembering brings to mind the untapped resources that we forgot that we had all along. Remembering compels us to turn from a world that distracts us, rather to trust in the one who proved himself reliable and trustworthy in years before. Forgetfulness leads us away from God and to idols. It exchanges wisdom for foolishness, and it neglects the wealth of resources available to us in Christ. This is a season, like many seasons of your life, where it is a good moment to pause, to reflect, to prioritize. You know how you have been blessed. You know the path down which God has led you all your life to be here in this place, this time, this season. Now today, on this holiday weekend of rest, it's a great time to stop, take a deep breath, examine how you're investing your time. Consider how God, by your spirit, is calling you to worship and community and mission in this place. God stands ready, he always stands ready to bless fresh faithfulness in his people. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for the change of seasons, the promise of cooler weather this fall, yet another clear sign that your hand remains firmly on your creation. We confess that we are a blessed people, that you have carried us through some joyful and challenging times in our lives, bringing us now to this place where you have called us. We pray that you would guide our plans, guide our commitments, that we would be the people that you've designed and expected us to be. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.